This podcast contains explicit language, really explicit language. Listeners of this show should be advised that we will deal with a cult that has certain ideas that are... Um... They're fucked, Paulina. Yeah, they're really fucked. We'll be dealing with all the ist, aughts, and ites. Racists, bigots, anti-Semites, misogyny, certainly. And ooh, eugenics. Kicking it old school with eugenics. Certainly a very old way to be racist. But you've got to remember, MGTOW and everything we're talking about is a cult. Uh, No matter what they say, nothing they say is real. And we love you. We absolutely love you. Thank you for coming along on the ride. And we're sorry already. (laughs) (laughs) A clip coming up later in the show. None of your siblings have ever committed self-harm? You've never thought of self-harm? I mean, I thought about it, but, like, why? If it came down to that, uh, I don't, that, like, down to that level of, of, uh, you know, me versus the world, and it comes to harm, that's when I start thinking of harming others. That's why I don't go there. I'm just like, because, yeah, fuck, maybe some people do deserve to get harmed. Can't think that way. If you start thinking that way, it's too easy to, to, to fall into that. Look at how easy it was to fall into being an alcoholic there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Look at how easy it was to neglect your kids. Mm-hmm. Look at how easy it is to move back with your mom endlessly and never learn from your mistakes. If I start going down the path of self-harm, it's not going to be self-harm. It'll be other harm. And so just don't even think about it. Don't even worry about it. If they're stupid, let them be stupid. What you are about to hear is the Hashtag Cult Podcast. What is a Hashtag Cult? Hashtag Cults are groups that signal membership by using a hashtag or keyword. This allows the group to operate on many different sites and makes them difficult to pinpoint. They use the hashtag model to spread propaganda on a variety of social media platforms without having a central account. This is usually because their ideas are offensive or their methods of communicating are abusive and border on website policy violations. In this show, we will show you the coercive groups and cults hiding in plain sight on the internet. And who the hell am I? I'm Mike Fallon, co-host of the Hashtag Cold Podcast. I read a review of the show. Um, it was genuine. It wasn't someone from MGTOW, and they didn't like it. And the criticism was along the lines of, we are not true crimey enough. That they were expecting this dark, gritty exploration into the world of true crime. And to the world of the Manosphere. And it was just two people laughing. (laughs) So, I'm sure you've heard the clip at the beginning. Let me defend the show by saying, Hey, guy! You're welcome to your opinion. But, hey, guy! Oh, totally, it's fine that you have your opinion. It's great. Everyone can enjoy their own art, freedom of expression. But, hey, guy! The show and the subject matter are dark enough like hey guy hey guy hey guy oh cool 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 you wanted a darker explanation exploration 
was the stuff you've heard already not dark enough? Like, how much dark? I don't know what we could do to make it darker. Is just be dark about it? And I was on I was on Chris Shelton's show. Um, Chris Shelton's a writer. He has a great podcast called Thinking Critically. I'm going to be on Rachel Bernstein's show uh, of talking about comedy and all these different things. And, and uh, Dr. Drew mentioned our cartoon on his stream, which is this fun cartoon explaining cults. And I say all of that out of order because all of those things are fun. I'm doing a thing about comedy with Rachel Bernstein, the crappier sides of comedy. Uh, I mentioned Chris Shelton because Chris Shelton just pisses joy from his face. He is this super duper happy person, despite, you know, one of his things that I didn't mention. He was an ex-Scientologist for 27 years. And on Dr. Drew, he mentioned this cartoon we did, which is a fun way to educate people. And so let me say this. On top of this show, it isn't, hold on, let me do it. You know, I don't always do this kind of warming up on mic and I just put the good, <clears throat> let me do it. The show isn't dark enough for you. Should it be an accent? The show isn't dark enough for you. <clears throat> no, let's get grumbly, right? Let's add some, <clears throat> get lower. The show isn't dark enough. Pirate? The show isn't dark enough for you. Pirate was dumb. <laughs> there is this thing with entertainment that tries to teach people. Documentaries, edutainment, just people in general. Where they, they, they are, they're, um, they're, uh, they're boring. They're really boring and overdramatic. And so my idea is like, we as people who are not affected by this can talk solemnly at some points, but at other points, we're gonna need to have fun. We have lots of members of this team building this show and including me, a lot of weeks, we can't take dealing with it. We can't take dealing with it. And so for us and for you, we need to make light of it so that you're not afraid to say things like, I made a mistake or whatever it is. You're not afraid to say, oh, these people have been brushed up against cultic things. Oh, that might be in my life. Because if we're, there's some people out there, I just want to say this <laughs> while we're doing this. There's some people out there who are like my, like from my outside view, it's like, I'm going to be a really boring parent. That's what people's entertainment and, 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 and Instagram streams and podcasts and documentaries. It's like, I'm taking on this persona of a, a really boring parent. I'm going to be didactic and teach people and parents and teachers, teachers, especially like, remember back to being a kid, you might like some of the subject matter. Why didn't you like it then? Cause a lot of teachers are boring. They're fucking boring. And so like, we're trying to not be boring teachers. I said the F word. That's fun. We want to be the thing that you can say, I'm going to listen to this and hear about this dark thing and evaluate it. And I think making it on an entertainment side, I think making it dark makes it distant. It makes it, it makes it a far off foreign thing, like a scary movie. Being humorous about it, talking about how it really affects us. You know, that's important. And I mentioned Chris Shelton because... I went on his podcast and it's on YouTube. MGTOWs really operate a lot in the comments section of YouTube. So I went on there and 
I, I started commenting when MGTOW comments would come up. Uh, to date, there are, I'd say, I'm going to round the number in a certain way. There's about 120 comments, and I'm taking away some of those because some of them are me. Um, but there's about 120 comments, thousands of words. Uh, our, our estimate is about 9,000 words. Um, for a video with about 1,000 views right now, three days since it's been released. And a lot of them are MGTOWs. A lot of them are MGTOWs. And so I went on there and I commented to people. First was triage. The video went up and I said, I'm going to have to make sure that there's people who are going to say stuff about MGTOW and be like, hey, use, it, use things that you might not think to do on the internet. Like, nice to meet you. Because this is where the cult operates. And most importantly, I put at the top, on my comment on my own, I said, look, this is where MGTOWs operate. Just try and be nice. Try and be sensitive because this is where they're going to do their indoctrinating. They're going to make you an enemy. They're going to make their comments right. They're going to talk about how I'm dumb. Just be really nice and kind so that they feel like they have a place to get out. And if this episode is about admitting the mistakes of teaching people things through documentaries, through movies and things like that, through, through podcasts, somebody accused me of being fake. And I thought for a second... Let me address that. I'm not going to comment on there. I'm going to address it. Like I'm doing now. Look at me addressing it. Am I being fake? Am I being fake when I talk to them on there and I say, you know, we love you? No, I do love them. They're human beings. I want them to get out. I don't love what they're doing. But am I being fake? And I had two thoughts. The first was, duh. <laughs> duh. I'm holding back everything that, that I want to say. What I want to say is my personal instinct. I can't speak for you, but when they say this stuff is, I, I want to tell them to shut up. So am I being fake? Damn, damn straight I'm being fake because I don't think you deserve that. And then the second thought I had, thought, thought I had, the second thing I binged was they're not being real. They're not being real. Someone's manipulated them. They've had fucking shit happen to them and they've gotten to where they are. Even if they haven't had stuff like what Tom is talking about, something has happened in your mind. I said this to someone, an injury in the mind is undeniable. My mind is hurt. Then you are in pain. Too bad. You don't need to prove it like you're getting, like you're filing a lawsuit. Now look, you, you parked on the wrong side of the street. And so I was, yeah, and then I tripped and I fell off my Razor scooter. No money. Razor scooters are illegal. So they're not being real. But I, but I gotta admit another side to them too, which was my third thought. thought you thought there were two twists, three. The third thought was, they have a point. They have a point about the world of people trying to teach people stuff in general. It's fake, this parental attitude you have towards people. And most of all, it's insufferable. It's this insufferable way about talking about issues. And guess what? On a base value, that is, in the beginning, how a lot of these hashtag cults attract people. They have a way of talking that is different. They don't talk like a, a professor in front of a chalkboard. And that's how they grab them. And it's my opinion that we're going to grab a lot of people by doing the same. Now, I say that. I say that and I think how much is that for us? You know, we have three members. All three of us have at some point said this investigation is too hard. I need a break for today. Between me and, and my significant other, there's been bans on talking about it. 
I've had to distance myself from subjects because we don't feel safe or it puts too much pressure on me. Uh, or I can't uh, go and look at stuff because I'm just reading indoctrination rhetoric all day. It's tough. It's tough. So how much of this is for me? A little. But it's also to cater to the subject. Because lo and behold, Tom, who I, I know and we interviewed, makes a comment in the comment section. I didn't say anything at first to him wanting to keep anonymity. He mentions he's done an interview with me in the comment section. I say, hi, Tom, much love. Hope everything's good. I totally sympathize for your situation. Tom is, of course, still trying to goad me and MGTOWs and non-MGTOWs. There's debate going on and I'm trying to quell non-MGTOWs from talking to him. But again, I go back to this idea about this episode, which is, are we being fake? Are we not being dark enough? And I want to read you one of Tom's comments in the comment section. Mig quote. You got to say quote. How many opportunities do you, do you get? To, I'm just going to start doing it for like recipes. Quote, two grams of sugar. No. Quote, MGTOW is a hashtag, not a cult. Smearing it is a low-level attempt at censorship. Dudes like Mike are grown men crying because the other boys don't want to play their stupid woman-like games. And to that, Tom, I say, that wasn't as good of a burp, but I've been told that burps are gross. That's what they think. They think I'm crying. They think we're bleeding hearts. They think that we're just trying to save the world and this is for our own ends. You've got, you've got to take that into consideration when you make a show. And we are a show like no other. And so now let's get into clips. And I bring all this up because today we're going to talk about violence. If you haven't listened to the other episodes, stop now. My little fun rant, if you understood it, go back, get caught up. You have to listen in order. We're going to talk about violence and as it pertains to Tom. So here's clip number one. Sure, but I got to let you know once again, man, uh, because I've never really been in heavy trouble and because I've never really uh, like gone through like a prescribed program, mm -hmm. Uh, all, all of my answers are going to be like the rest of my life. They're, they're not going to be like the regular mainstream path. All of my, it's, I'm a complex individual. All of my answers are going to be complex. That's fine. Uh, let me ask it in a different way. You say you've never gotten any trouble for a crime that you had to be forced to be evaluated. To me, that's an interesting way to like frame going to see the doctor or going to see a psychologist. Do you, have you felt the desire to do something violent? Have you done something violent that you haven't been caught for? Um, yeah, when I was punk rocking with some friends, uh, our lead singer, she, uh, she was started complaining that some guy had molested her, like another show, so we handled that in a punk rock fashion. Uh, that was in, that was in a different country. So what did that you come do up. in that six case? Sorry. Uh, we drove past him and opened the door on him. If you weren't confused already about Tom and MGTOW, I'm sure you are now. The idea that Tom is a part of this group, and yet 
somehow in his past, he's going out and defending someone with violence that was molested or sexually assaulted is that the molest is the term he uses. It's baffling, isn't it? And you can ask a lot of things about it and you can play Monday morning quarterback or armchair psychologist with everything he's saying and think, well, is he only interested in protecting women when he gets to do violence? Is he living out what, what we know we want to do? What we would, some of us who, who have friends and family and loved ones who have been attacked, is he just getting to live that lifestyle? And then some of you are probably even hearing this going, did this really happen? But all of those questions are irrelevant, in my opinion. Tom's telling me it happened. And that's the more interesting part. Tom's telling me this happened because we're sort of ignoring MGTOW and he's letting me into his world. And Tom's pretty much telling me he's okay with violence. Um, and we're going to get a lot into that today. But let me just say, before you start to judge Tom, whether he's lying, whether he's wants to be violent or whatever, Tom, Tom's had a hard life. And I don't think that excuses anything he says or does or coercing people into this cult or helping it, its movement. But Tom's had it rough. Hmm. Uh, did you have a good child? Like I said, that's... In terms of those types of things? No, no, absolutely. Hell no. Hell no. I mean, I had a, I had, I'm from a single parent home. That was in the, uh, I think that was in the stuff from over there somewhere. Yeah, mm -hmm. same comment. Uh, so I came from a single parent home. Uh, I had been through, what was it called? Women's shelter. We had to go do that. I experienced homelessness and, uh, like just straight poverty, dude. Like, imagine, I don't know if you can imagine poverty, but it's a lot of like, you don't know where your next meal's coming from. You're not sure where you're going to sleep. You're not sure how tomorrow's going to be. And you're probably getting yelled at or some type of fucking shitty thing, like right now. Yeah. Probably for all of those, all of those things when you're a child have nothing to do with you. So, Did nah, I wasn't around, like, good people. Everything that I had to do that was good, I had to do on my own. So the question is, not, is this true? The question is, how well would any of us stack up in this scenario? That's the question I want you to ask before we go forward with these quotes. Not how well, oh, how well would we have done to not be in a cult or to not think these things or to not act these ways that he's describing. I mean, in this interview. And that's something that we're not going to get to do in the documentary, which is great to do right now in the podcast. How well would you stack up to sitting here and talking about the relationship with your parents. We all get in fights with our family. It's a part of it. I think a lot of people would think who are smarter than me would debate whether or not a bad parent or a present parent is worse off. And that's what we're dealing with with Tom. His, his mom took care of him. The dad wasn't there. But the mom wasn't really great at taking care of him. How would we stack up to be able to answer questions about why we, you know, yelled at our parents one day? Some of us might do okay. Some of us might not do okay. And so I say that in order to set up the next clip, which is to say, I think 
Tom is being pretty nice in answering questions about these things. But on a surface level, I don't see a lot of his answers as part of his truth. I see a lot of his answers as a part of MGTOW. Not necessarily the facts, but the way he's internalized them and the way he talks about them, I see as telltale signs of the group. You know, in objective terms, your mother did take care of you and your father didn't. Even though it was a bad way of taking care of you, your mother, she bared, she bared some of the responsibility. Both share the responsibility of neglect. Yeah, of course. And neither one, and neither one has accepted, or has been accountable to that neglect. So, what makes them different? At this, the, the like I said earlier, the input. That's uh, jargon, father. He, uh, I don't know what you mean by that. Yeah. Uh, as an example, uh, my father has tried to, uh, on many occasions, to create a stronger relationship with his children. Uh, and he would do that through things that dads do. You know, he took me to uh, uh, one of my first major concerts ever. So he was off working and paying child support, and she was spending the child support on her hair and nails and beer. Gave her the opportunity to neglect the shit out of her kids' needs. Uh, so she could, all of that, probably just so she can make him feel so bad. So was your father a good father That's when you were married? Value. He was decent. Would he hit you uh, when they were married? You know, he didn't really like... Nah, he even paid for her nose job and stuff like that. He was he was trying. He gave it he gave it the, a good college try, from what I remember. How old but, were you before you know, they got divorced? I think I was five. So you're judging these memories based last, on a four-year-old. A four-year-old who could read, and who could analyze the world around him. Towards the end, there it becomes really clear what I'm talking about, right? I want to go over confirmation bias again. This is this ability that everyone has to be able to only look for the hits and not the misses, as Chris Shelton told me. You're only looking for the things that confirm what you believe when you're in a cult. So much so that Tom believes his analysis, codename Tom, by the way, codename Tom believes his analysis of his parents' marriage from when he was four years old is so strong that even now when he has all these opinions about marriage, he won't ask his family about what happened. So listen to this next clip too and look for confirmation bias. I, I would say, things. sir, and I'm not doubting you, you'd be a remarkable four-year-old if you could analyze your parents' parenting at four, three and two. Gifted. Gifted and talented, gifted and talented, uh, gifted and talented education was something I qualified for, and that if other people who saw me like hadn't intervened, I would have never got the opportunity to do on account of how dumb shit both parents were. You kind of have a focus on the father, and like for real, like my the relationship with my dad at this point can very easily be two dudes, uh, like a boy named Sue, the, the song by Johnny Cash. You know, this guy fucking sees his dad, named him Sue, caused all kinds of problems in his life, and then they get into a fight. If you remember, then, you know, in The Boy Named Sue, do? he also abandoned him. 
Yes, and that is the one difference, is my father didn't necessarily abandon us. He just couldn't fight for us on account of, he didn't really grow up too much richer than we were, you know? Did your father want he, custody he, he of you? He did. Yeah, he fought for that for a few years. Mm -hmm. And so he was denied custody. My, he, he saw, yeah. Yeah, of course. These are a public record, these divorce things. Have you ever looked into why he was denied custody? Or were you a part of that? I don't know. Uh, it, it had a lot to do with just uh, his uh, his ability to maintain employment. Mm -hmm. He uh, he's got he wouldn't leave like the family, but he would go from job to job to job to job. It was kind of his personality to mm -hmm. do that. And these were never illustrious jobs. He never like qualified to be you know like the sewer manager for the city or anything like that. It was always like uh, jack-in-the-box or fixing alternators at some mom-and-pop chop shop or something like mm -hmm. that. That would have been the reasons why it was financial. Why was he losing jobs? Because he felt like it. He, would, he, was not, he wasn't like me where he had a... or it wasn't like his brother where he, uh, they had uh, poor personalities when it came to other people. He would just want to... he would just get tired of a job get up and leave. Now, I'm not saying he never cheated on my mom, because him with that personality, I can easily see Do him getting, like, kind of curious. If they cheated they are them? fucking liars. They are liars. They're both trying to protect their own image from their children. That's, a, that's unfortunate. On account of how fucking... It must feel yeah. shitty and like you have no reality when either an abuser denies how bad it was or doesn't apologize. There's somehow this thing that goes on, and I don't think it's exclusive to MGTOW, but when you're talking to them, and even using them is kind of derisive. I'm going to have to figure out how to change my language so we don't dehumanize these people. When I'm talking to Tom, hey, that's easy. I did it right there. Let me take a sip of coffee. I don't need to. Like, I'm pre-recording this stuff, but, like, makes it seem like it's more of a live situation. When you're talking to Tom and MGTOWs in general, and when I'm talking to him and listening back to it, did you know I was talking to him? There's this weird thing going on, and this could be part of the conspiracy element of the cult, or it could be just a part of the brainwashing. Seemingly, he has everything figured out, but at the same time, won't ever ask questions about the thing he's certain he has figured out. And that last clip is evidence of it. And the very typical nature of the MGTOW logic for it is, is pretty evident, especially if you've been listening to the show so far. I hope you're, I hope you're getting it. Um, and it's demonstrated in this next clip as well. I feel like I'm five times the man my dad has ever been. And I feel like my mother is an extreme example of what a bitch is. Mm -hmm. it's, it, sounds like, it sounds like they both failed you, and that's a terrible place to be in but you know i'm in a really not minimizing all your life goals way you should be very lucky to be alive you know that's that's a huge accomplishment for someone in your circumstances when i was you know in like the high school time frame mm -hmm. you know worship for the church i was trying to get my uh my family what was left of it the fuck out of a shitty situation and i was just like how the fuck am i gonna do that Let's go to the church around the corner with all the white people and see what's up with them. What's up, white people? I'm gonna fucking hang out with you. And that worked out. That worked out really well. My brother's married like my brother married like a rich ass girl who's probably gonna divorce him because he's a bitch. 
my sister, you know, she's she works for the city of some city over somewhere. She's doing fine. What was what I could salvage? Uh, it, it came out decent. Everything else is a fucking mess. Some siblings get it worse than others. They can be great allies. Have you spoken to them about your childhood? Mm. No, we never tried to make sense of it, mm. and that probably is how my little brother ended up kind of, kind of. He's he's just more disappointing in the way that he uh, he's thinking over emotionally and kind of falling into that image over uh, reality kind of concept that I developed as a kid where, you know, it, it, to him it's all about, like, what other people think of you. And I'm like, dude, that's that's what fucked both our parents up. And by fucking, yeah. you know, go down the line, that's what Even without caused my problems. Overly critical parents. Yeah. That enough, that's, you know... Uh, speaking spiritually, I don't know if you know the story of Passover, but there's a um, thing of Dayenu where the idea of this story of the plight of the Jews and Dayenu is like, that would have been enough if God had saved them from this. Uh, if, if, you know, God had saved people in this way and it's this thing of faith. And sometimes with abusers, I think about it because it's like, if they had just done this one abuse, it would have been enough to, to not like them, to be fucked up for the rest of your life. And most people, it keeps going and going. And in the positive way, it's amazing that it would have been amazing for you to conquer overly critical parents. That would have been incredible. And there was more stacked on top of it. So that's, it's pretty fantastic that you're alive and you're... So there's an answer, right? That's how cults and MGTOW work sometimes. There's an answer for everything that's happened in your life. And if this show is about realness, that's why the narrative gets muddled. That's why you're listening to that clip and, you, and, and you're at home thinking, I'm not cold reading you, I'm just, you know. You're at the home thinking, did this guy get his family into a church? Was there some churchy element to his life that he's not happy about either? Um, yeah, I don't know. There is a section of MGTOW that are all about Christian values. Uh, more on that uh, later. But there's an answer. And if you buy into it enough, it'll color the past of your life as well. That's a solid thing in cults. It always happens. And that's why the narrative gets messy. Because the facts are there, but the emotion behind it isn't. And speaking of emotions, speaking of emotions, that last part, that's part of the answer too. Who he can't save. Who he can't fix. Later in the interview, we're not going to get to it on this episode, we talk about Tom's sister and how he has positive views towards her, which also flies in the face of everything that's going on in his life. So, this answer colors the rest of your life. It colors your past. But the issue with indoctrination, when indoctrination, in the case of MGTOWs, gets mixed up in conspiracy, it not only looks for confirmation bias in the world on the part of the users and the leaders, but it doesn't address the other issues that the members have who are creating that confirmation bias. Tom goes online and says, yes, this is a real thing. This is a good thing. But you don't know about what Tom has been through. And these next clips are the essence of how his real life application and 
what he says are very different. So you have thought about, well, we, we know you've done some violent vengeance thing in another country. Um, Not afraid of it. Do you think about doing violence often? Nope. The only times, uh, it, it would take like extreme stress to get me there. Or uh, in the most recent case, like I, I live in my own house and I had what used to be a friend over and uh, this person just wouldn't stop disrespecting me. So I slapped him around, tossed him around. You know, I've never been violent with that person since elementary school. Uh, but just didn't get it. Just wouldn't get it. Wouldn't get it without like something. I'm what was tired he disrespecting you about? Uh, what is he disrespecting me about? You so you never go Wait, to violence. This should stick out in your mind, as pushed to your farthest yeah. limits. Yeah, what he did was he uh he was just kind of drunk, came by his girlfriend had just broke up with him, so he was a, an emotional mess. But that was all stuff that I was warning him about for years, and he just never listened. So he came over, uh, kept calling me uh, gay and stuff like that. Kept saying I was, uh, shit, I wasn't, like, Islamic. I was just like, hey, dude, stop calling me fucking things that I'm not. It's pretty disrespectful. You're in my house. This was just like, in some attempt to that. hurt you? But, yeah, he was he was feeling bad. All stuff that I warned him about. Can't fix stupid. And, uh, Wait, you know, decided uh, sorry, to... I, I know uh, you're you? trying to work in some of these MGTOW ideals, but it's it's... I'm not trying... It's just confusing the narrative. So you had warned him about women, not about... You didn't warn him, like, don't say that about me. I warned him about his girlfriend specifically, the same girl who, who uh, was complaining about uh, some guy who we uh, hit with the car there in another country or whatever. Uh, what was it? And by hit with the car, we drove by him at, like, 30 and opened the door on him while he was standing mm -hmm. there. He totally, like, lived. There was no broken nothing. You stopped and checked he, he on got him? A, he got a really good thump. Hell no. We uh, we saw him at the next show we went to, and like him and his crew were staring at us, and we were just staring back at them like, what's up then? But we were clearly the guys who were like, more down, as we had already done that. So they kind of backed off of the whole thing. But, um, but I mean, I, mean I'm, I wasn't like, actually... The, the Met stuff, all the, all the, that was all gang-related shit. I'm not afraid of the violence, I just don't need okay. it. So this it's was when you were in a gang? necessary for me. No. No, I'm in a, a band. band. Okay. I understand I the, the punk rock terminology. Punk rock band. I just want to yeah. point it in the right way. I wasn't actually asking more about the, the, the woman. I'm saying you were warning him about the the woman. Her specifically. You didn't warn him about the a, things he was saying whore. about you. Oh, yeah, no, that okay. too. It's always like, hey, dude, you're crossing like the line. I don't feel comfortable with that kind of stuff. You mind shutting the hell up? That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so the reason why he was like all like emotional and a mess when he came over it was because his girl had just uh her ex-boyfriend got a cell phone in jail or something so they were talking had this guy so ever she been to jail out. yeah okay. had the girl ever been to jail yeah, he'd been locked up before oh yeah and you've yeah, never been to jail. Like, this is punk this is punk rock punk rock yeah i was smart in there i warned them about not like how to get away with that kind what of was stuff, that kind of but, stuff uh, and if we're doing an episode on realness, you know, I was going to cut this next clip out, but it goes back to, am I being real? And I got to say, a lot of times I'm trying to just get information out of these people. If you've ever talked to someone in a cult 
if you ever talk to someone in a bad situation in their life, getting any information out can be difficult. And so if I'm being real, the number one thing I think a lot of times, and I understand MGTOWs pretty well, and I'm, and I think that they are warped by what they're going through. But what I'm thinking most of the time, if I'm, if I'm reacting naturally is what the fuck are they talking about? This next clip, I, I honestly, I don't know. What is punk rocking? Because when, uh, when, uh, I, I got to frame this. When I was going to church, the church that I had gone to was full of cops. And that didn't stop me from punk rocking and getting drunk and stuff like that. I just happened to do it around people who were the best surrogate father figures you could have. Uh, you know, the best, you know, I, I don't look at beat cops with respect because the people who kind of taught me how to be a man were the people who those guys would answer to. So, uh, like I was saying, uh, the, what, they would ta what they told me was how to get away, not how to get away with crime, but what police were looking for specifically. So when I started punk rocking under that circumstance, around these same, a lot of these same people who I ended up being friends with until recently, because of the, the over-emotional mentality of, uh, go back to red and blue pill, these blue-pilled guys, uh, you, we combined, or I combined, punk rock with safety of uh, police fraternity. You know, just this is how they do it, this is what they're looking for, this is what we're not going to do, and we're going to get away with doing this beer run today. So that was what they went to jail for, or buying beer? With... No, they went to jail for, they went to jail for uh, several other things in, uh, in another country. Which were what? Because they were just, the girl... Uh hmm? Over what? Uh, just disturbing peace, being drunkenly stupid and stuff like that. A lot of trouble that other people like. Uh, man, I don't. It's complex. Uh, they were fuck ups. So we had a little bit of fun at my confusion, but I say this with no amount of hesitancy. This next clip is one of the most important of the documentary that I've been able to get so far. It shows isolationism. It shows the ability for MGTOW to color everything in the person's life. And it shows exactly the dangers of a cult. There's a lot of people that failed yeah. you, you know, very definitively. Well, all right. So going back Why to... did you feel the need? Because you'll excuse me if I don't see it. If someone's being over emotional, yeah. it's the person who hits someone over words. Mm. In the in the case of the girl, or in the, yeah, in the case of our singer, the girl, uh, crying about uh, you know, uh, being molested by. No, a that's guy. not what I said. Which I'm that, talking that about the the fight, yeah. the fight with your friend at your at, at okay. your house. Hugh said he said at some stuff to you. Okay, that was that was over. No, 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 no. That was over respect in my house. So what he had done uh, was. Uh, he, he would just come by and talk shit about kind of the man going their own way lifestyle. Well, not using those words, but, you know, it's just like, hey, what are you, some type of, like, uh, uh, what's it called, minimalist? What's your problem? You know, don't you want to go outside and, like, hang out? And I'm like, what? Well, I got the house, so I didn't have to do all that. And then that would turn into, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, him jokingly putting on shit like NSYNC's Show Me the Meaning or whoever the fuck sang that That's song. Up. And, uh... It's okay. And, uh, so that's, but is and, that disrespect? Uh, you know, uh, 
No, the disrespect comes from repeatedly calling me uh, Muslim, even though that's got nothing to do with me. And I mean repeatedly. And I mean repeatedly. Uh, I would if someone called like, me a Muslim. Get, I don't. There isn't any big deal in that, except that it's repeat behavior. That after you say, "Hey, dude, stop that! It's disrespectful." Now they're doing it because it's disrespectful. And so that caused you to hit. Kind of like someone jab. Kind of like someone jabbing you in the side of the head, and then you telling them to stop, or I'm going to hit you, and they continue doing well, it. Well, I, I think that them. I'm gonna have to disagree with you. If someone's hitting me. Well, you have full right to start hitting them. That's the way the law. Uh, when I said jabbing, I was I was holding. I, I forgot that I'm not a uh, on camera. Uh, when I said jabbing, I was holding up a finger, jabbing with a point of Someone a finger. Someone has on no the side right to touch you. A bully tactic, if you will. Um, but I don't know why. If he was out, it sounds like the over emotional person here. You have to admit, Tom. If you said something mean to me and I punched you in the face, that's me being over emotional. Your dad hitting you. Uh, because you had an accident as a child, that's him being over emotional. Right. So you were over emotional. Let me try to keep it druha. Let me try and keep it druha. Um, because of like the drugs and the gang and the prison mentality of my upbringing, what and it's the same as his essentially. Uh, when when you're on someone's block. And they say, hey, homie, get off my block. Generally, the respect is to not say anything and continue. Or to say, hey, I'm not about that life. And, like, you know, squash it there. But what you're not supposed to do is say, fuck you, homie. Because that's how you instigate. The, the fight will be instigated by the intruder in that case. I'm well because aware that's how the of... Gang mentality gang culture prison culture um this isn't necessarily making you look positive tom it makes it look like i operate my house in the same way violent crim violent criminals do yes i'm a toxic person i, I don't think you're like, a toxic I, like, I, person i tell you i think I, you said you've gotten over that I can see how being in an environment where no, no, you said I got over that. I, I, I accepted it. Okay, so why hit this guy? Uh, what that really came down to was the coof. Uh, he was just provoking me by saying, like, you know, I got the coof, What's and then that? started coughing on me. And then this, the coof, uh, the coronavirus, COVID, Wuhan flu. Okay, so. The current pandemic. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what would cause you to so hit someone. What he so, well, I mean, you and I, this, uh, there's no bridge. There's no bridge between uh, your mentality, your mindset and mine. It, there's none. It's like uh, someone who grew up in the suburbs of Massachusetts versus someone who grew up in the inner city of Los Angeles, which is not where I grew up. Uh, it's, it's two completely different mindsets that were framed and built by two very different circumstances you could say that you've read about it but that's like uh i don't know if you're into hip-hop that's like dj vlad talking to um freeway rick ross about gang culture oh, dj course, vlad yes. doesn't know anything or about the, it. or or rick ross talking to the real rick ross but anyway homies we're gonna stop the show for today i'm gonna play you one last clip that 
I think is indicative of, of where we're going. But there was one thing, there's two things that Tom said. One, he talked about freeway Rick Ross, who of course is also noted to, to, to sort of steal Rick Ross's, uh, you know, fame, infamy, uh, who was a, a legendary drug dealer. And of course, involved in that is the person I interviewed for this documentary, uh, Rick Ross, uh, Rick Allen Ross, the cult expert. But anyway, homies, I'm going to leave you with this last clip, but I want to say something about what Tom said in the end there. There's no bridge between our minds. What does that mean? Let's take it in three different ways. Let's take it as a literal. Is there a bridge between their mind? Because I'm going to talk in the, in the next few minutes about how I've met people who've lived the way Tom claims he lived, homies. I, I've met people who have been there, who've lived that life and have gotten out and they don't act this way. So is there no bridge between our mind? No, because I like those people. They've been through different scenarios to get to where they are, to being mentally safe and physically safe, but I like them. And maybe I don't know all their struggles, but they're friends of mine. What's the other way, though? What's the more important way that there's no bridge between our minds? It's MGTOW. It's a cult. It's a cult saying, you can't relate to other people. Don't tell other people about this. And when I don't understand it, it's because I haven't been red-pilled in his mind. Ooh, and I made a little squeaky noise with my mouse pad. Yes, I own a mouse pad. Probably won't show up on mic. Let's get it on mic. Oh, I can now, I really can be a DJ, homies. I was getting into a powerful thing, but hold on, homies. Mixing up the podcast. All live. I have an MFA. Anyway, is there no bridge? Sure, that's a great way to keep operating. So I'll leave you with this, this last clip, and next week we'll get into Tom's relationship with his family, where he's going from here, and I believe eventually moving towards Tom's last word. Everyone I've ever met, and I have met many people raised the way you were raised. When they are solid in their life, they don't hit people over words. So that's what I'm trying to get. If you can yeah, explain the mentality, even if it's the mentality of I was raised in a culture where you should hit someone for saying that, you're welcome to say anything and I'll, and, and I'll accept it. What is, uh, how do you view the, the culture of respect and disrespect from where, from your perspective onto the, uh, onto the mentality of, uh, uh hood culture, let's put it I, that way. I don't want to put it on that. And I, I would say I respect the culture of violence 0%. I'm not sure mm -hmm. what would cause But it does exist. Someone. Other than if the they're going to hit you. Exist. If you or someone you know has experienced a hashtag cult, is trapped in a hashtag cult, or you have been affected by any group mentioned in this show, go to hashtagcult.org for resources or to get in touch with the show. We want to hear your story. 